Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Featherstone, follow Pancakes the Power Slam Show at Crave Wrestling, followed by, as always, the baddest co-host on the planet, Derek. How are you tonight, sir? It's going to be a good night. I, I, get, I got a, I got a feeling it's going to be a good night tonight. Uh, it's going to be a great night. Hello, everybody. My name is Derek. You know me as a co-host here, and we're going to have a great time tonight. Ninety minutes is never enough. We've had to. So much going on the past few weeks with awesome, awesome interviews that we we have a lot just to talk about, just to get off our chest ourselves and talk yes. about the wrestling world. So let's let's get this started and everybody out there who's listening, get ready. Absolutely, absolutely. <sighs> well, before we get started with Night of Champions, I must say that. The weekend at least started off very well for me because one of my top wrestlers in the entire world, the best in the world, actually, goes by the name of Jay Lethal. He he managed to retain both of his championships at All-Star Extravaganza against both members of Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, 
and Kyle O'Reilly. So kudos to my boy, Jay Lethal. And I will be at Glory by Honor. So uh, we'll talk more about that as uh, the weeks progress. So I'm looking forward to attending uh, that that event. Been to many ROH shows, but each and every one of them has a different feature. I remember the last ROH show I went to was um, <clears throat> in January, and the uh, the the marquee person was Alberto El Patron, and he went against Roderick Strong, and it was a very very amazing match, and uh, it was great to see Alberto El Patron, as we as we know Alberto Del Rio. Um, <clears throat> He see him live. It was it was great, and being one of the features of, of the show that I went to was absolutely amazing. So I'm looking forward to going to ROH once again. It's going to be a great time. So I'm looking forward to it. So congratulate congratulations to my boy Alberto, well Jay Lethal, and uh, we're and he's I think he's going to be champ for a while, dual champ for a while. Speaking of dual champs, the other dual champ as of Sunday night was Seth Rollins, both the United States and the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. So, did he retain the titles? And what type of fashion? If he did, we'll get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to... Not of champions. We'll be right back. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. So we started Night of Champions with the pre-show, of course, and we got the. Cosmic Wasteland or the Astral Alliance straight from the bowels of the Jetsons cartoon. Stardust and the Ascension going against Neville and Lucha Dragons. Uh, We both predicted uh, them winning. It just made sense for that to happen because they just really threw together Neville and Lucha Dragons. But they threw together the Astral Alliance. Uh, but at least they threw them together with the uh, with the notion of of doing something with, with them. Uh, it, it, they're just really grasping for straws when it comes to Cody Rhodes, and it's really it's really sad because the guy is a heck of a talent, but he just time after time after time again he continues to just get. The shaft. I mean, this guy just continues to be in spot after spot after spot, and just unsuccessfully tries to. I mean, you know, you, you get the tag teams with uh, with uh, uh, Holly, Hardcore Holly, and then you get a tag team with Ted DiBiase. Uh, Junior, which actually was a pretty good tag team with the Legacy, and then he, you know, joins you know the faction of the Legacy that went a little bit, and then he gets way over 
when he gets to the, the, the you know, fuse with Mysteria, with a dashing Cody Rhodes was okay, but when he started doing the paper bag uh, gimmick, that was probably the best the best days of Cody Rhodes' career when he did the paper paper bag gimmick. He even defeated Rey Mysterio at the WrestleMania uh, during that time. So way over. Then somehow that faded away, start teaming with uh, Damian Sandow. Well, actually, was teaming with Drew McIntyre for a little bit. They actually won the tag team titles. That was random. Then starts teaming with uh, Damian Sandow and then turned face because of his pops that he was receiving the money in the bank. And then, you know, starts, uh, you know, becoming a, a solid baby face with his alliances with, uh, eventually with his brother Goldust. And uh, just their feud with the Shield was probably one of the best matches of the year. Just so much, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't think it might have been Night of Champions, um, actually, a couple of years ago, or, or last year, maybe, Night of Champions. Um, but yeah, it was just so much p- uh, poignance to that, and it, it was absolutely amazing with this feud with the Shield, all of a sudden they found, they found a better option to feud with Goldust. That was too late. And now, you know, Stardust and just, uh, it, it just really became, uh, now they're they're just trying to grasp with straws. Uh, just too much. It, eventually, it was just meh. And, you know, nowadays, Stardust, it's unfortunate, too, because he's just really grasping for straws. And, and I, I really don't know if he could rebound from just the constant, constant just misuse that he's had over his career. I don't I really don't know if there's I don't I really don't know if there's a way out for, for Cody Rose. I really don't know if there's a way to salvage his career because he's just wallowing in the mid card and I really don't see much coming coming for him. If I'm not mistaken, you know what I think it was Battleground if I'm not mistaken. Maybe Battleground. Yeah, it was Battleground 2013. Two years ago. Wow, that's crazy. It was two years ago. Time flies. Two years ago when uh, Cody Rhodes and Goldust uh, defeated the Shield and uh, they got their jobs back. It's crazy that uh, it was two years ago. That was quick, but Poor Cody. It's really sad what uh, he's ended up. I really don't see much coming from him. Yeah, I don't either. And honestly, I love the Stardust character. I thought it was great, just kind of paying homage to, uh, obviously, Goldust. And I just like the what you can do with that. And it's, he hasn't really been given the proper stage to just really go nuts with it. I mean, it's he's still kind of shallowed and held on to for just some uh, putting him with the ascension. Are you kidding me? I mean, those yeah. guys are just, they're, I, Stardust is so much better than that. Cody Rhodes is so much better than that. I'm not saying he's a future uh, WWE champion, but I mean, the guy can go. I mean, he's proven it. He should be back into the Intercontinental title run almost. I mean, that's what should happen, and we'll talk about the IC championship here shortly. So, I, that's, it's a shame. I mean, he's a true talent. The Legends gimmick was great. I was with uh, the DiBiase. 
And again, he's just kind of thrown around. Make something work for this guy. He deserves it, and he's really put in his time. Not just because he's the Rhodes, but I mean, the guy can go. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, Intercontinental Championships, as you mentioned, Kevin Owens defeating Ryback, that was a bit of a shocker because I thought that they were going to put a little bit more time into this into this angle. The past few months we've been uh, seeing the incredible bore of Ryback and Miz and Big Show. Just, I mean, just really, and I've said this before, just really, really bad ways to make Ryback a legitimate Intercontinental Champion. I, I, it was absolutely ridiculous. I think he should have had a lengthy feud with Sheamus. Uh, even if Sheamus, you know, became Money in the Bank, that's fine. But he should have had a lengthy feud with Sheamus. Sheamus gets t- a ton of heat. They're very, you know, brawly people who can just have a slobber knocker, so to speak. And Jim Ross, <laughs> shout out there. But, yeah, just just feuding with someone who's a solid worker like a Sheamus would have been really good to generate that baby face pop that, that Ryback desperately needed to really prove himself as the Intercontinental Champion. When he won the title, people were happy that it wasn't Sheamus because Sheamus was slated to win. So people were happy that it wasn't Sheamus. So he got pops because of that. But it just he got derailed almost immediately when you know he was um when he got injured with that staph infection, so that really derailed him and then that, and then when he came back, people just really didn't care anymore unfortunately, so it seems like they might have decided to you know get the belt off of him just because he just wasn't going anywhere uh but to be honest with you, I don't mind it. I've said it before, uh, you know, I've been holding on to, you know, to Ryback as far as just him being champion. But, you know, Kevin Owens can do much more for that title as far as the intrigue and the prestige of it and making it relevant again and exciting to watch. And he's a really good heel and just the baby face. You know, I, I don't know who could really chase the title right now. Uh I you know, I would venture to say someone like a a Roman Reigns or uh possibly someone of that nature. Uh maybe even uh you know, Jack Swagger come out of the <laughs> out of the dust. Uh but someone, you know, there's there's some some legitimate baby faces that would really you know, work with that. To be honest with you, and we'll talk. We'll talk about Raw here in a minute. You know, as as ridiculous as Mark Henry's been being booked. You know, I, I, again, we've said it many times. I have no idea why he still d- agrees to come on Raw every week. He just gets b- more and more buried each and every week. But uh, someone like a Mark Henry, I wouldn't mind a Kevin Owens versus Mark Henry feud. You know, let Mark, let Mark Henry have the title for a couple months. Owens gets it back. You know, why not? You know, if you're talking about a WrestleMania moment, why not have Mark Henry versus Kevin Owens, you know, for the uh, Intercontinental title, and Mark Henry has his WrestleMania moment and keeps it for a month or two. I, I personally see no, no wrong to that. Mark Henry deserves it. So 
there's some there's not a lot of babyface contenders that are out there right now. Randy Orton is another, you know, possible contender that would work. But we'll see. We'll see. The, the bottom line is it's more intriguing for someone like a Kevin Owens to have it right now. So I, I was I was totally fine with the decision and, and, and kudos to, to Kevin Owens being Intercontinental Champ. I'm glad they haven't given up on him. Yeah, I'm glad as well. Good for you, Kevin. And the thing with the Ryback is, to me, he's always kind of been like a barbarian character that you know got a little extra attention, a little extra nudge a few times, and just still his charisma just isn't there. And like the barbarian, I mean, the guy was a beast, and but he just and not the warlord. He's just more decorated warlord. That's a perfect example of him. So it's with Kevin yeah. Owens, that's great. He's like the everyday man. He's you know everyday bully, tough guy. I'm totally fine with it. I love it when he came in and beat Cena and his little run with Cena. I want to keep him relevant. I don't want him to fall into the shadows and just make him look like a putz. And the same thing with Big Show. Even though he is probably the biggest nobody in WWE right now, yeah, it would be great to give him the IC title for a while. I would enjoy that, at least for a month or two. He's he's due that. He's owed that. But that would never happen. Don't see it happening. Kevin Owens, I was happy with him winning the title. Great. Yeah. Let's address a uh, question in the chat room here, WAWNation.com uh, live stream going on right now. <clears throat> it says, what's your guys' thoughts on Neville and his spot on the main roster? It seems like they are treating him as a joke compared to how he was in NXT. They can make his com- comic character work, but they don't have a direction with him, it seems. See, here's the thing. When when, when Neville debuted uh, right after Mania, I was dis- I, I was not happy. Because NXT and Balor said this in interviews, a few interviews actually. NXT has created itself as a separate entity. And it's one of those things that there's certain people that you know will have that indie type feel to them that's really, really fits in the fabric of. NXT, just because they have that indie feel, uh, you you have your really ruckus, you know, uh, uh, ruckus fans, and uh, just a really hardcore support base. There's not many, I mean, there's few to little to none (laughs) casuals when you're dealing with NXT. Those are, you know, most of most of NXT fans' remarks. Most of the NXT most of the NXT fans really respect, you know, the 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 art of wrestling, and you have certain people who can go out there and, and just tear the house down, and fit so perfectly in NXT. But the problem is, once you put them in the sports entertainment feel the sports entertainment fabric that comes with the WWE now you're thinking now you have to consider really focusing on the character aspect and the gimmick aspect of the of the wrestler instead of the actual wrestling ability you know when you have people like uh uh Dash Wild you know Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson you know formerly the mechanics you know they they have an they have an old school 
Minnesota Wrecking Crew feel to them that's perfect for NXT because NXT has that, you know, it's as close to, you know, traditional NWA 1986 <laughs> as we possibly can get right now. And, and Dash and, and Dawson has that old school, you know, type of feel, like I said, like the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. So if they went up to the main roster, it, it would just bomb because they don't, because it's not really a focus on the wrestling ability. With people like Finn Balor, amazing wrestler, indie sensation, perfect for NXT. You know, he has all the theatrics and, you know, his character is huge in NXT. But unfortunately, WWE is so shrouded with, you know, people like Rollins and, and Reigns and, you know, and Orton and Cena and, 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 you know, whoever comes in the, whoever comes up from NXT is automatically, if they come up from NXT to be a star, they're automatically probably sixth, the highest on, in the pecking order. You know what I mean? So, Basically, it's it's so hard for someone just to come up and become a star because you've got you're already about sixth, and at least half of those six, you know, at least half of those, probably seventh, really, if you count people like Bray Wyatt. So you're sixth or seventh tops, and all, and you know, at least half of the people ahead of you are rising stars. That that you know the future of the company, like Rollins and Reigns and Wyatt, you know potentially Wyatt. So it's it's really hard to become that star in you know in WWE. So I'm not really uh, you know when when NXT was a really a developmental territory, I was okay with the call ups. When Rollins was called up, it made sense because it was more of a developmental territory. Now NXT is its own entity. It's its own promotion really and i mean triple h has made that very clear with the takeover events and things like that so there's certain people that just really needs to stay in nxt and you know maybe maybe down the line when there's a when there's room for a spot for a top guy that's when you kind of insert yourself that's why i believe that I was more in favor of the, of the World Heavyweight Championship staying, to be honest with you. I, I've said this before. I wasn't happy, and I still am not. I, I, I wish that there were still two titles. I, I, I wish that there were still the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship because people like, because they count them both as World Championships anyways. So people like Finn Balor and people, you know, people like uh, of that nature, maybe even a Neville, but it, what's, it's still tough for Neville because he's just – his size is kind of a disadvantage with him. But, you know, it, it still gets kind of tough for, for people uh, from NXT. I mean, not saying that Finn Balor's you know, much of a difference, but at least he has uh, a really kind of aggressive style and his, and his character and, and is kind of a larger-than-life WWE feel. So it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to really – fit into the WWE mold as an NXT wrestler 
And really, you know, if, if we think of all the NXT call-ups, there's really a, a very, very small few that actually made it successfully in the WWE after being called up from NXT. I mean, uh, you got Seth Rollins. That's, I mean, he's he's the only world champion that's been, you know, started NXT and was NXT champ. I'd say Big E, you know, he was Intercontinental Champion and, and you know, two-time tag team champion. Kevin Owens, you know, Intercontinental Champion now. But everyone else, the Ascension, Lucha Dragons, um, you know, Neville, Cesaro, you know, people like that, they, they're they still kind of clawing and scratching to get their spot. So that's the reason why I'm not a really big fan of NXT being caught up because they're so good themselves that you don't want to keep seeing people get caught up and just kind of, you know, kind of being, uh, you know, uh, lost in the sauce, so to speak, kind of uh, miring, you know, and... and and in the in, in the mud, you know, uh, for for the most part. So, I'm I'm not a big fan of call ups, and and Neville at this point, I really don't see much of a future out of him outside of the mid card. Uh, you definitely don't. And that's a shame. And kudos with the Kevin Owens being called up because I mean, working out for him in the long run. However, with Neville, I mean, it was exciting when he comes in. It's kind of like Rob Van Dam when he first came in. He did all these crazy moves and. I mean, it was it was fluid. It was what you expected of him. But then it's you get kind of bored with it. I mean, it's, I don't want to say the same moves over and over again, but it's that's what it is. And the thing with Neville is he can do that on a smaller stage with uh, NXT and or ROH or you know whatever it is. But with the call ups, I mean, that's what they want. That's why they go to NXT because the next step is WWE. And I get that you know it's such a separate entity now that it's more exciting. I mean, it's just has the you know it's an hour-long show opposed to three hours it's they cram so much in there that every minute is just absolutely exciting mm-hmm. and probably the paycheck's a lot bigger in wwe so i mean that's another reason why they want to go is get the bigger paycheck but being sent back to nxt wouldn't be that big of a crime because i mean they just it works better it's that type of environment that neville would just flourish in yeah i i agree I, neville Neville being back into the uh, going back to NXT, I, you know, I don't think that that'd be much of a demotion to him actually, because he's been, you know, he he's had nearly six months to really show him show himself, and almost six months still. Uh, I mean, he he still hasn't done much. I mean, unfortunately, he had a couple feuds, and but. Most of his, you know, a big part of his tenure has been with this comic book thing with Stardust, and that's really been the highlight of his his tenure. So, uh, I'm 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 just not sold. I'm just not sold on Neville yet. Unfortunately, I like Neville. I definitely like Neville, but just not not as good as they could have built him. But it makes sense why they're not building him because there's so many people in front of him that they can't just, you know, take away at this point. 
Uh, one of those people, two of those people are Dolph Ziggler and Rusev, although them feuding together is just absolutely tragic. I just, oh, it, it's tough. It's really, really tough to watch another Dolph Ziggler and Rusev match. So there's reports flying around that Lana, when she comes back in the beginning of the year, uh, could possibly be reconnecting and reuniting with Rusev. I think that would be a, a fantastic idea because this whole gimmick has been boring and over with for weeks upon weeks now. And then the funny thing is Rusev, he was being billed last year as this undefeated streak, and he's just randomly losing now. I mean, you know, he lost against Cesaro one week, and now he, now he lost against Night of Champions versus Dolph Ziggler. And it's just, Rusev is one of the best heels on the roster, but for some reason you're having, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Ziggler. Ziggler's a fantastic wrestler and, and an awesome hand, a loyal, a loyal guy. But either person winning did nothing for them. It just didn't. I mean, Rusev beating Ziggler, what, what's next? Ziggler beating Rusev, oh, okay. You know, his... His bread, his 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 breadwinner, his his money maker, isn't his win loss streak anymore because he's lost against he's lost against Cena multiple times, he lost against Cesaro multiple times, so the the winning streak isn't really his money maker anymore, which is horrible because you should have done that, but at the same time it's like. The, the strength of Rusev's character is diminishing because you're just letting him lose without proper build. And I just can't stand how the fact that they're just not I, – I, I just – who in the heck are the writers? You know, I know I know a few of them, but just as a whole, who who's the – who is, is, is coming up with all the ideas that are – passing and going past the the room into the ring. I just really don't understand because there's so many failed opportunities, miserably failed opportunities for different wrestlers that you could have just put so much money in. Rusev could have been undefeated until WrestleMania, and from then he may have lost once or twice tops, you know, uh, the DQ wins, I get it, but as far as getting pinned cleanly, it's just, you can't do that for someone like Rusev. You, you know, his market, his his marketing factor was his win-loss record. Now, since that doesn't mean anything anymore, what's next? I mean, Summer Rae's not marketable because, I mean, she's Summer Rae. I mean, unfortunately, Lana's more marketable, but you know, how much can we put up with the ravishing Russian before we want it to go somewhere? You know, it's 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 much better than being with Ziggler, but, you know, it made sense when he was undefeated and he was just a monster. 
he's not that anymore, unfortunately. So I just, you know, people like Rusev and especially Cesaro, we get to, we'll get to Cesaro in a minute with, you know, losing against the Big Show, but they're just, they're just grossly mismanaging amazing talent that's on again both of them from NXT both Cesaro and Rusev from NXT caught up and look where they both are now so it's really unfortunate how they're just really mismanaging talent and they're putting all their laurels and on people like you know John Cena which you know is 38 years old now been you know the man for over a decade it's time to push the Cesaros it's time to push you know the the, the Rusevs to 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 be, let them be the the premier names of you know today's WWE. Uh, you're going to have to pass the baton sooner or later, and really sooner because you can't you know we can't afford to wait till later. You know back in you know around '98, you know you had uh, I really say I, I I'd even say '99. You know, you had Austin Foley, Jericho, and uh, Triple H. Austin Foley, Triple H, Jericho, and Rock. I mean, those were the five really premier people in the WWE, and all of them became multi-time champions. And Rock, Foley, and Austin are in the Hall of Fame, and not even including Taker, who was well-established at that time, you know, so you had about six really, really, really strong main eventers at that time who, you know, you can just pass, you know, you can just pass the potato, basically, of them having world title reigns, and each and every one of them made sense because they were really great characters. Now, is there really five guys who you can really, really count on, you know, to be to to have the title for three, four months? Can you pass that around successfully and have only, you know, three guys hold the top two to three guys hold the title in one year? You can't do that these days because they're not properly building stars to be like it was, you know, fifteen years ago. And it's really unfortunate. You you're putting all the weight on people like Cena's shoulders that people like Seth Rollins don't mean anything because you haven't built him strong enough to become one of the top five, the, one of the legitimate top five guys of the company, like they, they like they did in the Attitude Era. It's 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 pathetic to me. That's a new day and age. And the thing with Cena, I mean, he's gold. They know that. Same thing with Hogan. He was gold, and they knew that. I mean, back in the eighties, he had a few big time guys that you know could have traded the title back and forth. They did. Hogan, 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 Hogan. Same thing with Cena. And the thing on Stone Cold, The Rock, and Foley, and all of them went out on their prime. They didn't stick around and get old. HBK, same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. Cena's 38. We know what he can do. I mean, he's... But they're just not willing to give anybody else that push. I totally agree with, you know, they had five or six people that were legitimate champions. They don't have that now. And it's just not going to be believable when a Ziggler or somebody does win the WWE Championship because it's they're been mid card this whole time. They're not given the chance, right. and it's you know, John Cena, John Cena, and they can't get away from Cena. What are they going to do when Cena, you know, God forbid, he seriously injures himself and he's gone, or he's just he just retires? I mean, what what are they going to do? They've got nobody right now to really fill his boots. 
Nope. Zero. Uh, excellent point. Well, some people who are the future of the company goes by the name of the New Day. By the way, trivia. What in the world am I thinking about? It's been 35 minutes into the show, and I haven't asked a trivia question. What is that all about? All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the first trivia question of the night is what was the nickname of Dino Bravo? What was the nickname of Dino Bravo. Next we have the New Day the, the losing against the Delhi Boys by DQ. Woods goes through a table. Makes sense. I, I actually like the booking of this match. Uh, it makes for another another match. You know, next next uh, month at uh, at uh, Hell in a Cell. So I'm cool with it. It, it makes sense. Um, I like this feud. I like the Dudleys coming back and. And feuding with the New Day, I think this is a very good way to put the New Day over and really legitimize themselves as tag teams, a, a tag team. And, and, again, and it goes back to what I've been saying. Nowadays, like, you have you have to create legends. Like, now is the time to create legends. This is the first step in just creating legends, legendary, you know, mid-card wrestlers. You know, when you think of legendary mid-card wrestlers you know, 20, 30 years ago, you think of Ricky Steamboat, you think of uh, Kurt Hennig, you know, you think of, uh, you know, someone like a, a British Bulldog, you know, David Boy Smith, and those are people, Jake Roberts, uh, honky-tonk man, as far as, uh, you know, his uh, his tenure there. So there, there were legendary mid-card wrestlers, Legendary champions. I mean, just go down the list of as far as legendary champions. You have to get to the point where you're creating legends. You know, during the Cena era, the, so you're talking about a dozen years now. You know, but he's debuted 13 years ago, but really started to become the man in 2005. But then it was the first year he won his uh, world championship. So it's like. Ten years that he's been on top, and how many legends, other than John Cena, how many legends have been created in this past ten years? Orton, maybe, and who else? I mean, in the past, really, in the past ten years in the WWE, there has not been been any legends created. And you're thinking, you know, and you get with tag teams as well. There's so many legendary tag teams in the WWE, you know, back in the 80s and even in the early 90s. But in the past 10 years, you know, even 15 years ago, you had the Dudleys, you had the Hardys, you had Edge and Christian. Those were the three, you know, premier tag teams, you know, and then you had a, you know, a few other tag teams that were really good at that time but you see, even legendary tag teams were were carved out 15 years ago when you had those three teams nowadays there's no legendary I mean legends aren't being created legends aren't being built in the past 10 years during the Cena era and that's really really sad that even legends mid-carders champions none of them are being carved out 
and that is a that is a really sad case in the WWE that you're not building and creating legends other than John Cena. It's, it's really sad for me. New Day, New Day has I would even say the Usos as well, but specifically right now the New Day has all the talent, every single piece of the puzzle to become a legendary tag team without question. But I don't know how long they'll hold on to the New Day because if they all went singles, they're not going to win a world championship. None of them are. So you need to keep the New Day together, I would say, for the remainder of their career. For at least most of it, keep the New Day together, respect the tag teams, keep the tag teams together, and make the New Day a legendary tag team. They're so over they're one of the best tag teams in the past decade, and keep them that way. Don't make a ridiculous mistake and try to stupidly break them up. Make the New Day a legendary tag team and actually pull something out of this era other than John Cena. Yeah, John Cena. You can also put Brock Lesnar in there as far as legends go, uh, but he's you know got a lot going for him anyway. That's a great point. And the thing about the new days, they well, got real quick, nothing. That wasn't that that wasn't the past ten years though. He he was gone for most of the, those ten years. You know, Lesnar was built in. You're, you're talking 2002, 2003. That was Lesnar. You know, that was like Edge Lesnar uh, time. We have someone who said, uh, "Well, Canada's strongest man is the correct answer." Edge. Uh, you know, I think I suppose you can say Edge. You know, you can you can you can put Edge in there, uh, but uh, I would be honest with you. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame, but I wouldn't even consider Edge a legend. Uh, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, he's he's a he, one of the most decorated stars in the history of the business. But when you think of the word legend, though, I mean, you're thinking of someone who, you know. It, it transcends the wrestling business. You're thinking of someone who, you know, is well known throughout, you know, more than pro wrestling and, and just a household name and just uh, someone who just is an easy talking point. Edge is not that guy. Now, again, don't get me wrong, Edge is a fantastic when he was there and he was, you know, a, a, an amazing heel champion, great with Vicky Guerrero, excellent times, excellent stuff. But I don't think of Edge as a legend, though. So other than maybe Orton, maybe Orton, I just, there's not many people that, that, that comes out in this era. Yeah, I same thing I said with Hogan. He had you know, Hillbilly Jim and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Do you really consider them legends as well? I would consider Dugan a legend. Dugan. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, yeah. just because of the whole two-by-four and his character transcend. It was larger than life. It transcended the, the wrestling business. Yeah. And as again, Orton, maybe, I mean, he's, been prominent. He's been a name that WWE's been kind of hitched themselves to for the past, like I said, 10, 15 years. But yeah, you're right. There's nobody to think of to say, well, they're like the Scott Halls and the Kevin Nashes, and there's just, there's nobody around. It's all dried up, and it's 
it's sports entertainment. It's not wrestling, you know. That's- yeah. Absolutely. So the New Day, uh, he, they retain the titles, but uh, Xavier goes through a, a table with the uh, with uh, post match. Charlotte defeating Nikki Bella, New Divas champion. Uh, absolutely, the, the, the greatest option that they could have done. A trivia question, right, quick. What was Cole Cabana's name in the Wrestling Society X? Ooh, how about that? What was Colt Cabana's name in Wrestling Society X? Uh, yeah, very, very, uh, just the emotion that came with it. I, I think that this is one of the better Divas matches in quite some time on the WWE. Of course, Bailey and Sasha Banks just blew every Divas match out the water the past 15 years. But it it was it was a really good match from because I'm always thinking of ring psychology. Maybe one because I'm getting my PhD in psychology, and maybe two because just the old school feel. Uh, people know I'm a traditionalist. Traditionalist. I love old school wrestling and everything that encompasses it. I love the the psychology that is included with a wrestling match. You're supposed to paint a canvas. When we're watching, and I, and I said this to Jim Brunzel last week. By the way, kudos to Jim Brunzel, awesome interview last week. But I said this that you're supposed to paint a canvas. You know, when when someone when when a spectator and spectators come to a wrestling match, it's a blank canvas. We're looking at the art that's being created from the blank canvas that when we get there to when we're done, we should be seeing a masterpiece every single time we sit down, you know, at at the arena or on our couches. Every single time. We don't want to see any botches or just random spots and just ugly paintings. We don't want to see that. We want to see masterpieces every single time. And that's the reason why psychology is so important. So they actually did that. They, they they did that during the Charlotte and Nikki Bella match. There was some ebbs and flows. Nikki Bella was working on the body part like a tr- traditional, typical, old-school heel does, gaining the advantage. Charlotte, you know, came from behind, overcome, overcame the odds, gave her, gave her the figure eight, and won the title. There was a motion into it. Ric Flair came out. Crying, it, it was everything. Every everything about that moment was real. You can tell, and it was a great feel good moment. I think it was a great way to allow Charlotte to win the title. Yeah, it was a really great way, and that's the best that the Divas can give you right now. And it was great. It was an actual Divas moment that you know I got into it. I mean, everybody did. How could you not? I mean, it was pure emotion. I mean, everything was out there. And it's, like I said, as far as the Divas go, it's probably the best match that any one of them has had in probably two or three year span. So I'm happy as Charlotte's in there. It was fun to have Ric Flair come out and do everything with that. But again, it's it was pure raw emotion that you just don't see nowadays, especially with the Divas, because we rip on the Divas every week because it's, it's horrible. But last, that was an actual moment that, that was great. That was a memorable moment from Night of the Champions. I hope that there's plenty, plenty more to come and the Nikki Bella air is over and there's actual female wrestling involved. And just, I want to see that. Everybody else wants to see that. So, again, this could be a start of something great. I don't want to keep my hopes up, 
but again, good job to either. Yeah, uh, very much agreed. So we get the Wyatt family defeating Reigns, Ambrose, and their special guest, mystery partner, Chris Jericho. Oh, man. I was just totally just, oh, I was so let down by this. I was just incredibly let down by Chris Jericho. Now, people know very well how much of a Jericho mark that I am. I do not need to explain myself on how much I'm a big Jericho fan. I've done it for 181 episodes, 182 now. But it's like they've been billing Braun Strowman as this big seven-foot monster who just chokes people out. And, you know, the vice that he puts on and just people just falls down. They they all fall down, man. So it's like you're billing him as this big monster. So it would make sense for a monster to kind of match the odds. But instead, we get 5'10", 230-pound Chris Jericho. And it's, you know, again, Jericho's one of the greatest of all time, the best in the world at what he does, one of my top five all-time favorite wrestlers. I'm going to pull I'm going to pull an uh, an addiction right now. He's one of my top 5 all-time wrestlers favorites of all time. So, and, and, and I don't and, and I didn't and I was not redundant. So, uh kudos to the addiction right there who actually lost their tag team titles to the Kingdom uh last weekend. But I it's Chris Jericho being the special guest refer, uh, special guest mystery p- uh, partner for with Reigns and Ambrose didn't make any sense. And knowing that Jericho's on this house show uh, deal that he's going on right now, doesn't want to be involved in feuds, doesn't want to be involved in appearances. People are so big, oh, we're going to see Jericho and Ambrose. No, we're not going to see Jericho and Ambrose. Jericho still standing by the fact that he does not want to be in any feuds. His last match, he, he's planning on his last match actually being, uh, he's going on a farewell, he's having a 20-year, uh, a 25-year tour uh, here coming this next month. Uh, well, he's on a tour now, and, he, and he's going to have like a, a little mini tour coming uh, next month, and, and, you know, we could see, Pretty much the last match of Chris Jericho, uh, Madison Square Garden, he's going to get Kevin Owens. So he's staying a babyface, you know, against Kevin Owens on on the uh, on third October third at MSG. So he bumps Ambrose, and people are just embellishing. Oh, we're going to see Jericho and Ambrose. Jericho's turning heel against Ambrose. First of all, I wouldn't want that to happen because I'm so sick of seeing Ambrose being just ridiculously misused and we keep saying that word tonight because it applies ridiculously misused at his as his babyface role right now and I don't I mean Ambrose and Jericho would make more sense if Ambrose is the heel to me because 
I don't want to see. I'm so tired of this lunatic fringe character as a babyface. Like he he's tried his best, but it's just not working. And Jericho being a heel, we've seen that too many times. This babyface run is good because we don't have to see a lot of talking. It's just a lot of action with Chris Jericho. He's at that stage in his life and his career. He's been wrestling for 25 years now. So we don't need a lot of mic work and promo cutting as a heel. Those days are behind. Keep him face. Have him go against, you know, have him go in very good matches. It's like the one with him and Neville uh, on July 4th. The uh, the Beast in the East uh, special they did on the network, stuff like that. His uh, his 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 home his house shows. You know he's been having matches against Cesaro and and Harper and and Owens. So you know just really uh, you know the match that he had against uh, Balor. You know that same weekend uh, a few months ago. So, you know, it's that's the Jericho that I want to see. And having him feud against Ambrose would do nothing to either one of them because even if Ambrose was a babyface, like I explained in my article that I that I wrote for WAWNation.com and, and PWMania.com, like I explained in my article, people like Jericho and Kane, aren't, they're not putting people over. Because you have you yourself have to look strong in order to effectively put someone over. Jericho's notorious for losing, you know, in the you know these past fifteen years, uh, almost over fifteen years, actually sixteen years now. He's been with the WWE. He's notorious for losing. He put Shelton Benjamin over. No disrespect to everybody I'm about to say, but comparatively speaking. Mid Carter's at best, no benefit of Jericho putting him over. The list goes on. I can I can name at least a half a dozen right now. Fondango, uh, Shelton Benjamin, John Morrison, Evan Bourne, Jack Swagger. I mean, <laughs> you're putting you're putting people over. I'm sure that there's one more person that Jericho's put over that meant absolutely nothing. Seemingly, Braun Braun Strowman, you know, coming here and most likely in the following months. I don't see Braun Strowman uh, being of anybody of a, a world title status, you know, uh, or contention anytime soon. But I'm sure there's so many other people that I miss that Jericho's put over uh, that just. It, it makes absolutely it made absolutely no sense and it, it didn't do anything for um, the wrestler. So it's just and Kane Kane as well. So people like John Cena losing to Kevin Owens that was buzzworthy. That a simple John Cena loss was the talk of the town because the WWE's protected his character for so long that him losing a clean match against. Anyone, specifically Kevin Owens, was a buzzworthy topic. Someone like Randy Orton, who's been protected for so long. You know, people like that who actually lose his matches cleanly, they mean something. They're really putting people over. People like Jericho, no, you're not putting anyone over if you just lose a match. You're just simply losing a match to them. You just become a jobber 
because you're not really effectively putting people over. So as soon as as soon as Jericho came out, I knew they were going to lose, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. Chris Jabberco, that should be his new name. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's the thing. We said that so many times. I mean, Jericho is one of my favorites as well, and it, it, but he's not a believable character because again, he's not there long enough to really build something. And with him and Ambrose, you put it on paper, it looks great. But I mean, the way you're setting it up, you're right. I mean, Ambrose needs to be a heel. He needs to really envelop his lunatic fringe ways and just be an absolute bad guy. And Jericho, I could take him either way. His heel, he's not a believable heel as far as I'm concerned. He never really was. I liked his heel characters, but he wasn't like the diabolical that he should be. He's more of a baby face. He's happy. He's rock and roll. He's a good time party animal. But Jericho just, he puts people over. Again, like you said, it makes no sense. When Kane puts somebody over, it makes no sense. It just doesn't do anything for either character. Big Show, Mark Henry. I don't want Jericho lumped into all those, but, I mean, he has been for years. I mean, the guy's done so much, but it's almost like he doesn't really care to be there anymore sometimes. Like, maybe he's just doing it to get a quick check in between Fozzie you know, shows yeah, and stuff like exactly. that. So, but you just tell that his heart just really hasn't been that into it, or the WWE just doesn't care about his character or his credibility. Um a future Hall of Famer for sure. Hey, he's a legend. I would put him down as one of the legends. But just the way he just needs to revamp his character, stick around for a while, or just get out of town. Absolutely. Very well said. Oh, man. And then we get the back-to-back with Seth Rollins and John Cena. And then Seth Rollins and Sting. Oh, man. This was just such a tragedy to watch. Not, you know, Cena and Rollins, you know, they, they've they put together a couple solid matches at SummerSlam. SummerSlam was better to me, but this match wasn't bad at all, actually. It was a solid 16 minutes, and uh, Cena won, you know. Oh, okay. But John Cena, AA's Seth Rollins on the concrete floor, rolls him in the ring, and somehow he still had the ability to defeat Sting cleanly. I just, I, oh, my goodness. I I knew, you know, there's, my heart of hearts knew that Sting, I actually had Rollins winning both, but, of course, John Cena's going to have his day. But, you know, my heart of hearts was like, you know what, it's wistful thinking. Sting's Sting's not going to win the title. I was right, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't disappointed in the fact of Sting not winning per se. Of course, I wanted him to win. It just makes sense for him to be champ, even if it was for five minutes, even if it was for one day. But having Rollins, and, you know, there's been multiple you know, reports of them possibly calling it audible. I've even heard people say, you know, Sting was supposed to win the title, which I, I highly doubt that. I, I don't think that they'll just totally switch it, you know, from the, the, the from Sting winning the title. I know that he got the win knocked out of him and and uh, got a whip, real bad whiplash with the, with the second buckle bomb. And that huge, ridiculous bump that he took. You know, why would you have a 56-year-old man... 
who was in phenomenal shape for his age and who actually he I mean he did he did well. Most of the, most of the match he he hung it right in there with him. He had some elevation on his uh you know stinger splashes. You know, he he didn't look fatigued like the Undertaker did against Brock Lesnar. You know, he, he you know, he said he he said that he, you know, is he was getting in some of the best shape of his life just to prepare himself for the next match. You can tell, you know, he looked in he looked in great shape. But you know, you, you can't just push you can't just have a bump that someone 30 years younger than him is protected more than Sting is in that in that sense. You know, you didn't – typically you, you you take the top of the table off, you take the monitors off, you protect them. You know, you, you got a rigged table, but you just threw Sting back there. The top of the table wasn't off, and the monitors were still on there. You could have – Sting could have easily gotten a concussion. So that was the first ridiculous part of the of the night. And then – you give him the second buckle bomb, as if that's going to help anything. And then you allow, and then and then Seth Rollins beats Sting cleanly. He didn't even grab a you know grab with some tights or grab the ropes just to protect Sting because, at least if you're having Sting lose, protect his legendary status by not making it clean. And what made matters even worse, Seth Rollins, and I've said this in my article. Seth Rollins, you know, he's been champ almost six months. He's been a Weasley, weak character the entire time. So beating Sting was supposed to make him look stronger. Not only did it make not make him look stronger, it made him look weaker because he got bro-kicked and choke-slammed after the match. He was on, you know, he was on his back. At the end of the day, he was on his back, so a sting win meant absolutely nothing for Seth Rollins. So at the end of the day, the worst person that was affected by all of this was Sting. Cena won, so he wasn't affected by it. Sheamus wasn't affected by it because he's still money in the bank. Kane wasn't affected by it because he had his moment, you know, Sting was affected by it because not only is he legitimately hurt, he had you know, CAT scan, thank God it, you know, wasn't a break because there were, you know, people were reporting that there was, uh, you know, a career-ending neck injury. But thank God it wasn't nothing but just a, a huge shakeup. But it's like Sting's taking all those bumps just for the sake of Rollins winning cleanly, and it, doesn't, it did nothing for Sting or Seth Rollins and Rollins is still looking weak, even on Raw. So it was really, really hard to 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 to, to witness that as a lifelong Sting fan. I was just totally disgusted, and it's really hard for me to even want them to put bring Sting on TV. I, I I've gotten I've gotten to the point where I, it's even it's even painful to even think about. Sting being in another feud because WWE is burying him so much. I understand that he wants to get over, you know, he wants to put people over. But again, I say, 
to effectively put people over, you yourself have to look strong. They have not made Sting look strong at all. First of all, you lose to Triple H. If 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 he would have beat Triple H, it would have made more sense for him to put Rollins over. I would have even digested that better if if Sting would have beat Triple H. But no, not only did he lose to Triple H, Triple H came back out a few segments later in a suit, mocking Sting, brushing the angle off and going to rock and Ronda Rousey. How pathetic and ridiculous is that? So Stink has been grossly mistreated, overexposed, and just ridiculously booked in his his tenure here in the WWE. And I'm just appalled and just so disgusted by it. You know, Chris, I'm honestly surprised that you didn't just throw down your pen and paper and say you've given up on wrestling and you're done. Because, I mean, it's, it's been a, a travesty. I mean, it's, I can imagine. My heart goes out to you. I, I can't fathom what they've done to this poor guy. And they've totally just ran over him, threw his legacy in the dirt. Even, I mean, and again, I'm not a Sting guy, but I know how important Sting is to this business. I mean, he is, like we were talking about earlier, he is a legend. He is somebody that will go down in the annals of history with Rick Flair and Rick Steamboat. And Sting's Absolutely. name will be right. But WWE, it's like how they treated the invasion angle. It could have been so awesome. It could have just breathed new life into wrestling. And they just squashed it and decided that, you know, would rather focus attention on John Cena. Sting, it's, I've, that was the worst pay-per-view I think I've ever seen this year, if not ever. I mean, it ranks up there in the top few that just absolutely suck. And this one yep. was just painful to watch. From beginning to end, and if that was icing on the cake was, you know, how could they, how could they do this? I, it's just, are they stupid? That's exactly what it is. There's, I, I'm at a loss for words. And again, I'm surprised you didn't just give up and say you're done with this and go on and get your PhD and goodbye wrestling. It's right. a great time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been a great 30 plus years. <laughs> I agree. Well said, man. I, you know, I love writing. My, my therapy was was writing, uh, and uh, yeah, great great point here in the we are wrestling chat. Plus, oh my gosh! First of all, why did you even say that? Say that, but thanks for your interaction, and I'm willing to acknowledge it because it is a good point. On top of all this crap. You're making Sting put over Triple H in his promos. For what? <laughs> For what? Triple H needs to be putting Sting over in his promos because Sting is the person that needs to be billed as the anomaly, as the mystique, as as the mysterious person, as the top bill. Sting needs to have the exact treatment of the Undertaker because for the past 20 years, 25 years, they have been mirrored with each other as far as, you know, the the mystique, the anomaly, I would say at least 20 years because Crow Sting started to really, you know, have his own around 97, 97, 98. So, 
you know, at least 20 years, Sting and The Undertaker has been, you know, paralleled, you know, with WWE and WCW. So bring Sting in, have him have that Undertaker treatment as far as being the mystique, the anomaly. There's no way in the world that you would book Taker the way that you would book Sting. And you and you build Sting. When Sting first came in, you build him as the mysterious character playing the mind games in Triple H, the crow, you know, uh, the, the crow theme song. Keep him that way. That's what was over. That's what made Sting mysterious. That's what made Sting unique. But for some reason, you're having him cut promos and make joking statue crap segments and just a poor way to to book Sting. It was just it's absolutely ridiculous. I it it pains me to watch it. Thank God that God that that thank God that He's given me the ability to love writing and and writing well. Thank God for that because that was my therapy in this. I I, I had you know uh, a day to just a day of. Uh, to just relax and, and calm down, and I went straight to writing because and, and that my article came from passion. Those who are on wawnation.com, uh, check it out. Sting has officially been stung, and and that came from just disgust. <laughs> that the the root of that was disgust and and just the disdain of of how they're booking sting absolutely ridiculous all right let's uh let's get to raw we'll be right back you are now listening to the pancakes and power slam show by crave wrestling on blog talk radio be sure to follow crave wrestling on twitter at crave wrestling and join the facebook fan page crave wrestling all right, so let's uh, let's skim past Raw. Raw definitely wasn't uh, much different as far as just intrigue is, is concerned. Uh, the Divas Revolution, at least P- the PCB part of uh, the Divas Resolution, looks like it's uh, starting to go south. So I was waiting for that. I mean, there's been many, you know, famous, uh, very notable uh, editors making articles about the Divas Revolution, which I agree with them. It just it was just a bad way to, to book it from the from the start. I mean you can't just even Jericho said you can't you can't just have nine divas and expect most of them to just be in the back burner after it all fades. Team Bad, you know, with the exception of Sasha Banks and really only her on NXT, Team Bad just is almost non-existent, you know, when it comes to the Divas Revolution. Then you got Team Bella, who Alicia Fox is just totally in the background. And then you have PCB, which Becky Lynch, you know, unfortunately Paige did make a good point that Becky Lynch is the least of, you know, the least relevant of all of them, which I personally believe that she should be the most relevant. I mean, I I keep saying Charlotte and Becky Lynch should be the two divas that leads us to the future. Those are two amazing characters, two characters with the, with a ton of layers and potential within their care, within their gimmicks that will make them go far. 
Becky Lynch is the redhead. He, she's, you know, she has every bit of, you know, Lita potential in her. Every bit. She's, she's, she's nice looking. She's, you know, she's spunky. You know, she has that type of music that people get into. Oh, they did it, you know, they did it full sale and they can, you know, they, they certainly can, you know, on the big screen. And then Charlotte, you know, this, Charlotte speaks for herself. So, uh, it, it was just it was just bad from the beginning. But real quick, Wyatt Family starts tonight. That was very interesting to see that. Interrupted by Roman Reigns, challenges Bray Wyatt to one on one. They fight, uh, and then Harper and Strowman come in, attacks Reigns. Then Ambrose comes out. They still get outnumbered. Orton comes out uh, to uh, kind of oh, even the odds. So I guess. Orton's the next guy to probably job out that team until possibly at SummerSlam and probably culminate. Uh, Neville Lucha Dragons, they actually beat Stardust in the extension this time. We're going to see more of that, unfortunately. Ryback defeating Bo Dallas and Owens attacking Ryback, but uh, gets clotheslined eventually. And then, you know, as I explained about the PCB breaking up, Paige cutting the... I can't believe, you know, people know that I'm not a CM Punk fan whatsoever. But comparing that quote-unquote pipe bomb to CM Punk's pipe bomb is a disgrace. That was not a pipe bomb. That was more like a sparkler. That was that was just, you can't just, that seemed like it was scripted with maybe a couple page outlives, but that even sounded like a scripted promo and it just... There's no way that you can even compare that to the pipe bomb. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, and then Charlotte ended up beating Brie Bella. Sheamus defeating Mark Henry. We talked about that. Rusev and New Day uh, defeating Ziggler and the Dudleys. Naomi defeating Natalya. And then Big Show defeating uh, uh, Cesaro. And then at the end, John, John Cena defeating Rollins again. <sighs> makes no sense. And then the whole... Old school Undertaker Diesel, you know, pulling you down into the abyss of hell, aka underneath the ring. So, Raw just it wasn't really a good post Night of Champions. Night of Champions was one of the worst pay per views of the year, and then you know Raw certainly didn't make it any more exciting because why am I supposed to be excited about? You know, nearly fifty-year-old Kane, who jobs, who's been a jobber for you know fifteen years. Why am I supposed to be excited about him going against Seth Rollins for the title at Hell in a Cell? Do I am I actually supposed to think that Kane has a shot of beating Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell? I don't think so. And again, this is the reason why I let Seth Rollins is not been billed as a legitimate champion. Everybody beats Kane. Seth Rollins is going to beat Kane, so why would I think different? It's just ridiculous to me. Uh, Raw was a bust. Uh, a few takeaways I have from it. Uh, the corporate Kane and the uh, demon Kane, to me, I kind of find amusing. I think Kane, as far as Kane, if he's going to be on Monday Night Raw, entertain me, make me laugh. He's a very believable character when he's trying to be like, what do you mean? Are you, what are you talking about, huh? <laughs> that's funny, okay? I, I like that on Raw. Uh, pulling him under the ring and all that, yeah, that's 
stupid. We've all seen that a million times. Big deal. I like that. If you're going to have Kane on the show, at least make him be entertaining. As, as far as you know, Hell in the Cell goes with him and Seth Rollins, obviously Rollins is going to win. But enjoy it. I laughed, and I enjoyed the actual the actual segments of it. Uh, Ric Flair crying his eyes out with Charlotte, and that was fine. And uh, what about the botch? Did you see the botch at the Lucha Dragons Neville match? I mean, that was <laughs> – it recovered very well. He did a great job of just like, yep, I did it. I fell. I'm going to pretend that I'm hurt. So <laughs> I'll give it that much. Uh, and I like Michael Cole. All those uh, get really slippery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. That, that was right. a good back, you know. So, yeah, Raw last night was a sleeper, not a champion. So it was horrible. This is when the WWE needs to really start building their storylines because this is when people really start watching, you know. You're going into Survivor Series next. Then you've got the Royal Rumble, and that leads up to WrestleMania. So I'm bored with it. I am bored with the WWE, especially after travesty of not a champion. So it's, you know, I'm going to watch it, but remember, WWE football season's on as well. Monday Night Football is usually pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, because you work for Crave Wrestling, and we've been doing this show for three and a half years now, and we have generated many, tens of thousands of of um, listeners, which we are absolutely uh, amazed and, and, and thankful for. So thank you so much for that. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. What is it time for? Let's see. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week! Oh, that's what time it is for. It's time for the Flavor of the Week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about the five oldest WWE champions of all of the times. The five oldest WWE champions of all time. So this is the reason why I wanted to make this uh, the Flavor of the Week topic this week. So, you know, we're just talking about WWE champions right now. You know, if you talk about, like, AWA, you have, like, people like, uh, of course, um, Vern Gagne. Keep that keep that last name word, Gagne, in your mind. And... Uh, Listen to the show next week. That, that's your hint. Keep that word Ganya in your mind, and listen to the listen to next week's show. I got a bit of a surprise for you. But yeah, it, it's it, people. You know, AIDS doesn't always mean like you're going over the hill and you're just too old for life, and you know you just can't wrestle anymore. I understand if you're if you're old and frail and you just can't. You know, it's it, it's time for you to just. You know, hang up your boots. I get it. You know, but at the same time, if you if you still have it, this is your life. You know, and I've talked to you know many people and interviewed many people here saying you know this is really your life. And unless you got you know saved your money and 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 are off well, you, you really don't have much of a future anywhere else unless you just want to totally get out of the business, which to many, many wrestlers, it's really, really tough to do that. So, you know, you, you got these guaranteed contracts. It's much easier to do it, you know, nowadays. But at the same time, it's like, 
you, you know, people old school old school wrestlers. It's really hard for them to do it just because they didn't live lives of having, you know, the, those big money you know contracts. So they had to really claw and scratch, you know, for that opportunity. So it is really tough for for them to have it. But you know, nowadays. It, you know, you can you can be forty years old and, and retire from pro wrestling if you you know did well with your money, but this is <laughs> great great point great point. This is most negative I've heard, Mister Featherstone. The uh, <laughs> the current product got him too. Now you've done WWE creative. That is the uh, totally that 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 is the the comment of the night. Uh, thank you for that comic relief. Because I'm pretty hot tonight, as <laughs> as the uh, awesome uh, listeners over at uh, Real Wrestling www.nation.com can can tell, and and everybody else listening uh, throughout the other uh, methods of of uh, the show being on air, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, all of those fun stuff and, and and outlets. But it's it, it's it's it got me riled up. And I definitely will uh, say that. Uh, but I, I I love the fact that I have my own radio show, and that I write for you know big large websites that I can just uh, find a very uh, productive way to <laughs> um, express my in- incredible just irk <laughs> just irkness and, and just disdain and disgust for the current WWE product. Uh thank you for listening and and why and reading my articles. Uh, I'll I'll say that. But just you know there just because you're over 40 doesn't mean that it's it's the end of the road for you. And we've seen that in the WWE of the past, you know, 50 50 years. And uh, it's 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 really really cool that uh, there's there's five uh, wrestlers that uh, that have been the oldest winning, the oldest champions, the oldest WWE champions in the history of the business. So let's go with, and it's no not not any not any particular order, semi. There's this there's a bit of an order but not but not so much. It's not like five to one or anything. But it it goes by timeline though. So nineteen sixty three, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers was the very, very first WWE champion. Uh quick trivia question. Who did he defeat to become uh world heavyweight champion, by the way? Nature Boy Buddy Rogers went in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And Mr. Rogers was a good old, well-established age of 42, 42 years old. The Nature Boy Buddy Rogers was when he uh, defeated, you know, that guy, the trivia question guy, (laughs) to become uh, WWE champion. 42 years old. Twenty years later, we got somebody by the name of the Iron Sheik, which uh, which Jim Brunzel mentioned a few times last week. Uh, he also trained with him uh, in the uh, also trained with him in AWA dojo, so to speak. 
uh, you know, uh, Kazro uh, Vaziri. He was 43 years old when he won the WWE Championship. It's, it's hard to believe that the guy is 75 years old. It's crazy. Well, as, as his, based on his tweets, it seems like he's he, he kind of does seem like he's that old, but because he, he yeah, <laughs> but but it, it, it's it's kind of. It's kind of interesting to, to to just think about how how the Iron Sheik was 43 years old in 1983, and he you know he wrestled about a good 10 years after that. He had a really lousy uh, WCW run in the early 90s, I remember. But 43 years old, <clears throat> 1991, there was someone who they brought back in the WWE that became one of the biggest heels of all time. What goes by the name of Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter was 42 years old when he came back, became the biggest heel in WWE, and won the WWE title at the Royal Rumble 1991. The next year, actually, someone won it uh, at two different ages, and he goes by the name, Pat O'Connor is the, the, the correct answer. Good job. Um... Someone uh, the next year who won it uh, twice in one year when he was 42 and when he was 43. And that guy's name is the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, 1992. He was 42 and 43 years old. And then finally, the oldest WWE champion of all time is none other than Vincent Kennedy McMahon, 54 years old. In 1999, when he uh, won the WWE Championship, the WWE Championship, Vincent Kennedy McMahon on SmackDown against Triple H, uh, Shane McMahon was referee, and then a week later, he uh, vacated the title, interestingly enough. But, yeah, 54 years old, only two years younger than Sting currently is. So you're coming to tell me that someone who, Vincent McMahon, who was was in great shape at 54 years old, still is in good shape at 70, but great shape at 54, could hang with Triple H, and you're coming to tell me that someone by just two years older and and, and also in great shape by, by the name of Sting couldn't, win a, a world championship. You know, it, it it just bothers me how many people say, well, he's 56 years old, he's 56 years old. The guy can still go. He doesn't look like, he doesn't look dreadful, dreadful in the ring. He's in great shape. He's a legend. Give him, give him the title. So it bothers me that people just keep putting the age factor in the, you know, when it comes to winning championships. Buddy Rogers, Sergeant Slaughter, and Ric Flair are all in the Hall of Fame. So, and and they won their you know they won their first championships uh, in their 40s in the WWE. So, age you know doesn't matter if if you're still over and you still draw money. So, they can take that excuse and and, and take it somewhere you know that uh, nowhere nobody ever visits. Hey, and you know what? Better late than never. As far as, you know, our flavor of the week, Iron Sheik was old, but I can see that back then the Iran thing was going on So with America. 
uh, Sergeant Slaughter, another guy. It, I mean, did he really deserve to win the championship? Maybe not so much, but uh, it was the right time, the right thing. The angle was perfect. Uh, you know, I love all those guys, and there's, I, I honestly understand why. You know, when's Miss McMahon? When's he going to be in the Hall of Fame? Is he ever going to be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, that's his Hall of Fame. That would be yeah. an awesome human for him to just Vince McMahon is in the Hall of Fame of the WWE. But he would have an awesome role there. I mean, because he created all this, so why not? But uh, a great point with Buddy Rogers back in the day. I love old school, old school stuff. I mean, he makes old school look old school because I mean, Buddy Rogers. We I mean, had Pat O'Connor, Rio De Janeiro back, and it's things that you and I have to read about. And all the fans that are listening right now read about, and it takes us back, and we remember stuff like that. Because, I mean, we're wrestling buffs. That's what we do. People like the Civil War. People are into World War II. We're into wrestling. That's what we do. We love these time capsule discussions yep. because we can hold our own weight, and we know what we're talking about. So hats off to all those guys that you've mentioned, and it's Flavor of the Week topic was great. Keep me coming. This is the best. And Vince McMahon, go for the Hall of Fame. I'm totally behind it. Indeed. Uh, last last comment before we uh, leave here. Sheik and Slaughter were both traditional champions for a balding man and red and yellow. Great comment by the chat room. <laughs> Fantastic interaction tonight. Uh, thanks again for everybody listening and interacting uh, interacting in the We Are Wrestling chat room and uh, on Twitter. Thank you so much again. I feel better now because I have a bunch of uh, avid wrestling fans who listen to this show every week, who interact, who respect the heck out of my wrestling knowledge and my journalism. So I appreciate you, and I appreciate you supporting my opinions and allowing me to unwind on my show. 182 episodes. Thank you so much. Hopefully next week's a better week when it comes to wrestling. Uh, you know, random talks. Uh, you know, we have uh, TNA and GFW. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, sometime later. Um, you know, I don't want to be more upset. <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk about that another time. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. Daddy loves Ian and Elijah. And God bless. Thank you once again. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.